emotional health. Can you say that to me, you? Without putting the gum in your mouth. No, no, no. no nurture. No. Her lips are sort of showing anger. Her eyes are sort of showing normal. Uh, I think he is very mad. He's like curling his lip. She looks like she's mad and jealous. He's curling his lip, he's rolling his eyes. He's just waiting for them to realize that, yeah. Hello there, this is Denise Merkel, the Director of Education at Aiden Montessori School. Today we're gonna to talk about pouting because we wanna see if we can help move your child from this pouting face to a grinning face. So what is pouting? First of all, it's a normal, yet very annoying way for a child to communicate their displeasure, anger, or frustration about something that's going on in their life. It reflects a sense of entitlement and selfishness. And, you know, you've seen the thrusting of the lip, the, the scowl, the slumped shoulders, the moping around. Um, and perhaps we've, even as adults, done some of this. So we do know what this looks like. Um, I think it's important to, to acknowledge that we all need a chance to complain. You know, we do. So we need to empower our children to express themselves. Is this a safe place to express how you're feeling about something? Um, and how do we set that up? Maybe in a family meeting, um, you can talk about how to set up a complaint box or a journal uh, or a complaint time. Um, I think that children sometimes complain to get our attention and we have to be real careful of that. So when they start pouting, try to ignore what you see and listen to what's going on. So you might say to your child, I can see by your face that you're really upset. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what you're feeling. Because you want to get to the the bottom of what's going on. When we talked about whining, we remember that if you ignore whining, it tends to ramp it up. Pouting is not exactly the same. If you ignore the pouting and go for what's happening underneath, it takes a lot of effort for a child to put that, keep that body language and that face going. It really, um, it really does. If you want this to really stop, eventually, um, you have to let children know that we value each other's feelings. And I want to hear what you have to say. Um, I want to know how we can improve whatever is going on around in our lives. Keeping in mind that developmentally it's going to look different. So a young child, you know, under the three, um, you have to kind of give them the words. I see you're frustrated because you can't get your boot on. Um, and that's why they're making that face. Um, for an older child, Tell me what happened with the block tower. Boy, you look really mad about that. And what? And, and how did this happen or whatever? You know, get to the bottom of what is what, what you see. And for an older child, listen. They already know how to express themselves. Give them the safe space and really listen to what it is that, that they're complaining about. You have my permission to cut it off, you know. All right, I'll give you five minutes to complain. And then we're going to hug and we're done um, and see if that works. Pouting is when you're upset about something, but you don't really tell anyone or share it with anyone because you don't think they could help you or something. 
it's when someone's showing their anger and showing their wrath. Remember, just as with the whining, if you keep paying attention to it, if you keep reacting to it, it's going to continue. So you and your parenting partner need to say to each other, okay, when this happens, we're going to ask what's going on, but then we're going to try to ignore all of this other stuff. Pouting is your lower lip out as far as you can stick it and your brow furrowed as deep as you can furrow it and the, the sound of... <laughs> How do you deal with pouting? I don't. <laughs> I say this, this is not an appropriate time to be pouting um, and I will try to divert his attention to something that is more productive. When you remember your childhood, were, would you say you were a powder? I was an excellent powder. I was an amazing powder. I could teach a class on pouting. I don't know if we get a lot of pouting. We get more of the whining and the pushback. So I don't want to do that, that kind of thing, you know, which then sort of ends up in the slouch that usually comes with a pout. But we don't get the lower lip out. It's definitely a trigger. And I think that the way that I try to cope when I have enough presence of mind is to say, you look upset. And then we, I usually try to divert and move on to something else. But I try to acknowledge it at first. And I'm comfortable walking out of the room if it continues on for too long. Yeah, then we'll just let it, let it be, let it simmer, let it fester, hopefully calm down. And then we'll come back to the situation when you know, he's feeling a little bit more on top of things. Do you think you were a powder or... I think I was more manipulative than that. I think there was more language involved. Um, I hid. I used to hide. I used to run away from the situation a little bit. But, um, but actual pouting, I don't remember doing that. I mean, maybe it's why I can't remember it in my own household. Maybe I just kind of black out a little bit every time a pout happens. I'm not sure. Pouting is the expression of two things. One, I didn't get my way. Or two, it's not fair. And pouting is really the whining of the whole body. Hi, I'm Jessica Quarell. I'm the school counselor here at Aiden Montessori School. A quick do-do-not list. With pouting, you don't want to take the bait. It's so easy to have that natural reaction of, like, get over it, or life's not fair, or these quick go-tos of trying to dismiss what's happening so you don't have to listen to what's happening. You also don't want to get into a power struggle because this is not a, pl a time or place where your child is in a... Um, collaborative mood to help problem solve. And number three, don't fan the flames. So let's say it's bath time and you have, a, you have two girls, one is older, one is younger, and um, the younger child got 10 extra minutes in the bath because she had knots in her hair that needed to be combed out. And the older daughter sees, well, she got 10 extra minutes, that's not fair, and storms off with her arms crossed and a big huff. Fanning the flames would look like trying to reason or explain why in that moment, in a heightened sense, well, she has tangles in her hair and like, you know, you, you're starting to feel that you're on the defense and it's taking the bait of like, I feel compelled to explain myself right now in this moment. You do want to ignore the body language. You're not abandoning your child. You're disengaging from the intense emotion. You can suggest an alternative to how to express oneself more effectively, as we mentioned in other podcasts, of saying, you may talk to me in a kind and polite tone. Um, reinforcing that as a value of our family of how we talk to each other. And what children need to feel in that moment is, you don't see me. You don't see what happened. 
you can say, I see that this is concerning to you, or I, I hear you, you telling me that your sister got 10 extra minutes. We can talk about it after I finish giving the bath. So children need to have a sense of, you see this injustice, this indignity, this unfairness. I need you to see that. That can help to diffuse the energy. This is also about, as I say, flexing and strengthening the muscle of not getting your way. Life is all about not getting your way and how do we manage that uncomfortable, unfair feeling. And it's a tough lesson for little people to learn over and over again, things aren't fair. Developmentally speaking, in the second plan of development, the ages of 6 and 12, it's all about fairness, very black and white thinking, very much aware of you got a cookie that I should get a cookie. It's all about fairness. So there are contexts of how they make sense of the world. It's in the framework of fairness. It's hard for them to understand when something's completely not fair. We as adults have lots of experience with managing that discomfort of it's not fair and learning how to work through it. We're trying to help them flex that muscle of dealing with it's not fair. I didn't get my way. Let's also put ourselves in the shoes of our children. You are eight years old. You have a strong sense of um, justice and how the world works and right and wrong. And something happens where you didn't get your way or, or you perceive something as clearly an um, egregious act of it's not fair. How would you feel if your mom or dad started were mocking you or or what felt like being mocked well honey life isn't fair you're not always going to get your way who is that for is that for you is that for your child is that a productive um, response it may feel really good in the moment to kind of solve that and just give the general answer of how the world works they're not able to hear it what they did experience that moment is mom dismissed my feelings talked to me in a patronizing tone and so now we've moved from pouting to stewing to simmering. We have now taken a, a small potato situation into a full-blown almost meltdown. So what actually does this look like in the moment of someone pouting? So it's validating their feelings, um, acknowledging I see this is unfair for you, and the expectation of how we communicate. We, will, we can talk about this later. So you're also giving them permission to take a break from that really intense feeling. And you're also de-escalating. Yeah, I was mad about something, and I don't think my parents could help me. And I didn't want to tell them, so yeah. I think they should try to be helpful and ask you questions. I think they should be very chill about it. If we're going to nurture our children's emotional health, we have to be real careful to not dismiss their feelings, all right? Uh, validate their feelings. And pouting is a very, very dramatic display of displeasure. Let's model something here. When, when I don't get my way, and sometimes that happens because Metro makes me late for work and I'm a little annoyed, I can talk to my child and say, you know, today I was very frustrated with, the, with my travel. I was just kind of like angry inside. And this is how I managed that. You know, give your children some ideas of how you manage that. You're driving, you're annoyed that the guy cut you off, you make a face, you hopefully aren't saying too many bad words. Um, model for your child, like, oh, I was so angry about that. And, oh, and, and, and make your face and let them see that. Don't frighten them. But let them see that you also have complaints in life and you also get frustrated and you, you also pout. You stand there with your arms crossed because, like, oh, I'm just counting to ten. Well, that's a good thing. Tell your child. You know, sometimes when I'm really like this, 
I just count to ten. Sometimes I count one very slowly, and sometimes I go one, two, three, four, five, six, ten. Because you you have to. They don't know what to do. All they know is if I pout, I get something from the adult in my life. You want them to go to the grinning part of this. You have to give them something to do. So you can say to them, "Ooh, I see by your face you're really upset." Clench your fists, squeeze your arms, tighten your face. Do you need a hug? And go there. How can parents be better parents? Make promises of what they told their kids. I think they could be truthful and give children lots of candy. <laughs> if like there's something your kid wants to do, let them do it. Less getting mad at you. Working hard to like teach you better stuff. Just wait until everything's gone right, and then just we get over it now. Yeah.